everyone and welcome to Two Girls One Cult. Today we will be talking all about Jehovah's Witnesses and the many forms of prejudice that either we ourselves have experienced or that we've heard of other people experiencing. Now with all our episodes we are discussing some sensitive issues so please if anything does trigger you please seek advice from a medical professional. We're very glad to have you with us. And yeah, Nerissa and I will start to pack the uh, the plethora of prejudices that we found. Some of the ones we found were things like racism, sexism, prejudice against class, being disabled, and genderism. So, Nerissa, which one shall we touch on first? Shall we go with racism? Okay. Yes because we have quite a bit to unpack there. One of the things that I know we have touched on before was the fact that Jehovah's Witnesses interpreted a particular situation or story in the Bible to do with Noah's son Ham and how Ham committed something quite awful. I'm sure those of you that our J-dubs probably are aware of the story where Ham basically quote-unquote raped his father. Very odd situation. Oh, I remember um, that. Do you remember that? And so basically Ham was cursed. He got him and, drunk, didn't he? Yeah, he got him drunk. Yeah, yeah. he got yeah. him drunk. And yeah, so apparently all of Ham's children were black. And so black people were the cursed race. And this was in publications back in the 1900s, not in recent ones, I might add, and how black people were the cursed race. So those people were, you know, going to be slaves. And they were quite happy being slaves. That was fine because that was their lot. And that is an incredible thing to claim and to say that God is okay with. And actually, that's divine. That's that's a divine decision. Uh, yeah, it's huge and it's awful. Absolutely awful. So, yeah, interesting so the how Bible, they it so now. So the Bible doesn't say that. The no, Bible, the, it, no, no, it's just the, the watchtower. Yes. The yes. publication, so the literature tells that story of Ham with his father and how... I mean, the, the story is in the Bible, yeah. But yeah, the so, actual interpretation of it applying to individuals of, of a black race, yeah, mm. that's interpreted by Jehovah's Witnesses. I remember talking to a friend of mine about this. This was back when I was a teenager and explaining about... Um, this story and I remember her kind of debating whether that gives the witnesses license for racism and and that kind of triggered something in me to criticize the literature and I remember this specific friend of mine we kind of talked about it for a really long time and and it was the first kind of time where I, I got to have a critical conversation about how the witnesses see this story in the literature. And it was really interesting. And for once, 
you know, somebody didn't agree with me. And I know, like you were saying in the previous podcast, that it's sometimes it is really good just to talk to somebody who doesn't have the same opinion as you. And I just remember us debating this. And at the end of it, I was absolutely stumped because I didn't know what to say. And she said, well, don't you have an answer for me? And I said, I honestly don't. I said, the witnesses aren't in in my head then when I was brainwashed. I said, they aren't racist. But looking Mm -hmm. back, there are definitely kind of undertones of racism there. And I think Mm -hmm. it's still there. Oh, yeah, massively. You look at the governing body, and I think it's seven, and and please, anyone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think seven out of eight of them are white men. White, exactly, old men. Yeah. that That's shocking, isn't it? That's shocking. absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and what about all the other races in the world? Exactly. I mean, we're not just talking about the black race, talking about, you know, the the other plethora of races, you know, races that exist. Um, on our planet. So yeah, why, why do white men have the final say? I just, I don't, I don't get it. No, it's really bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I know they have to go through a process of them becoming a member of the governing body and mm. all of that. But I mean, I wonder why they haven't chosen. Surely it would be good to kind of choose people that are a, a kind of dynamic group of different races, you would imagine. You would want to have representatives with you. you would. From, from, and if, if Jehovah's you Witnesses would. are, as they say, in every country in the world, exactly. much, why don't they have representatives? That is one thing that it's bugs really me. strange. Yeah, exactly. And also, I don't know whether you noticed when you were in it, there is the whole um, idea of going serving where the need is great and this missionary school and sending out missionaries a lot of the time to these poor third world countries yeah um to convert these poor and you know uneducated people and yes. i always got the impression they were looked down on yes to Absolutely. be like we're send our brilliant white missionaries over to this poor little country, you know, and we'll 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 teach them all about the Bible and we'll educate them properly. Mm. And that always, yeah, it it kind of was a bit weird. That left a really bad taste in my mouth. I remember when a lot of people used to, and, and there were a lot of people that we talked to that were, that did do missionary work in our congregation. And I remember talking to them and, and they were very enthusiastic about it. And, and they, it's something that they really wanted to do, but I just found it really, what's the word? Condescending. Very. Really con- condescending, kind of like, oh, you, you poor kind of people in third world country, you need help. You obviously need help from us. Yeah. And, um, and I'm thinking, I'm sorry, but you are from first world country. You are in a privileged position. What makes you think that you could relate to these people? Okay, you could probably help them a bit. Yeah. But how can you really relate to them? Exactly. And how can you help them on that level? And I always, I don't know. I To me, I didn't do anything like that. Obviously, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a missionary. I did pioneer for a little while, but did we ever go to another country and do pioneering? Oh no, we we went to. I I don't know whether you did, but when I went to America, when we went with our mother, we did used to go on the ministry there. But did you 
do any other missionary uh, pioneering work? I didn't do countries? any special. I didn't do any special pioneering work. It was just if I happened to be on a holiday somewhere, and that's another thing. You never really get really a holiday tall. as a Jehovah's Witness, do you? If you're on holiday in different countries, <laughs> you're still expected to go to the meetings and to go out on the ministry, aka the the door knocking. So yeah, you, you kind of expect to do it wherever you are. But exactly. no, I never went any special missionary trip. And another thing I, I just wanted to mention was that. And this is something that Michelle, that XJW witch, mentioned when we interviewed her, was that sending out these missionaries to these places was a little bit akin to colonisation. And that really stuck with me. I thought, yeah. 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 It It did have that taste. Yeah. Absolutely. So... You know, Which that's is a ho- horrific thing of the oh, of the past. You know, yeah, absolutely. And just trying to, you know, go in and, and and change someone's culture and their way of thinking and their their own spirituality or way of living mm. is something really invasive. Yes. Oh, yeah. definitely. And um, really, kind of assuming too. Assuming yeah. that they don't that, that their way isn't the best way for them, yeah. And I think I think that that's um, yeah, that's very much kind of adjacent to colonization, and that and these and that assumption is really damaging. Yeah, really, really damaging. Absolutely. Mm. So those are our thoughts on racism. Let's move yes. on to um, sexism. And or genderism. Now, we understand these are not the same things, but oftentimes they're treated the same within the James Witness community. So, yeah, we're we're sort of discussing them under one banner. With genderism, the gender roles, I know that we did talk about this before, how I had my struggles and difficulties with the gender roles and kind of growing up in a kind of forced kind of cisgender culture where you have the typical kind of roles of man woman husband wife kind of thing patriarchy where the the man was the lead the woman was subservient and that in a nutshell really that's what it was about and challenging those genders within the community you wouldn't get anywhere. I mean, that that would be that would probably be something of possibly of a disfellowshipping nature if you did yeah. try to challenge gender and gender roles. As far as kind of taking the lead, I do remember there were a few women in our congregation who were kind of doing it themselves as in they didn't have partners they kind of upheld their own household they had their own property that kind of thing and you know as a woman you can be an elder you can be a circuit overseer you you generally couldn't lead in any kind of way and I think if you're a single woman and you seem to kind of you know have your life sorted out for you something that a 2.4 kind of traditional 
household with a man and a woman, you know, with the man leading. There are a few people in our congregation that were, you know, single and they had their own thing going for them, which was great. They were very nice people, but um, they that was definitely looked down upon. But and also being a single parent, that was very much looked down upon. Oh yes, yeah. your marriage had broken up because the, you know, there was a sanctity, there was the sanctity of marriage, and if in somehow you know you had you got divorced somehow it was your yeah. fault yes. and you were you were kind of marred you know and yeah you were a little bit bad already just because you were you know a, a, a single parent or you had been divorced or or something like that yeah absolutely it was it was a bit naughty wasn't it it was a bit naughty yeah. if you were divorced more, more than a bit naughty it was just like man something wrong with you yeah there was, there was definitely that thing where a lot of people looked at you in a different way, where they would, they would definitely kind of, uh, I remember people asking, you know, what went wrong kind of thing. And yeah. obviously being through experiences myself and, and growing up and getting into relationships and having children, I think you do start to realize that relationships are black and white. Sometimes it's nobody's fault that things go wrong. It's got nothing to do with who's, you know, who who's bad and who's good or, you know, who's kind of mentally unstable. Yeah. Well, well I don't know. Sometimes it is, sometimes it is. But um, everything, everyone's different. Every, you know, every individual has different individual experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely feel that on the single parent front, because that, that would because there's a hierarchy in the Jehovah's Witnesses, I felt like that was the, you know, very kind of bottom of the, the you know, food chain. You know, you as we were growing up, you know, being kind of from single-parent family, I feel like that was very much looked down upon. Yeah. You know, we'll what's, go wrong class you? what's wrong with you? We'll go, yeah, we'll go into that class system and that hierarchy in just, in just a oh, moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I want to sort of really focus again on, on sexism and yes. just how, as a woman within the organisation, your place was very defined. The, the, yes. the most you could do as a woman was really be a pioneer, which meant you put in a certain amount of hours per month preaching to people yes you could be a single woman and a pioneer or you know marry a man who had lots of privileges and then you were their wife you were the elder's wife or the circuit overseer's wife or the district overseer's wife or something like that Mm. so you were really boxed in as a woman and if you weren't married you were lower down that class system second yeah, and it, it, I think it must have been really highly frustrating. And it was highly frustrating for me because I thought the the brothers or the men were allowed to give these talks on the platform where they, they talk to people, like doing a speech kind of. But when you're a woman, you had to do a role play. So you had to do a role play with somebody else. And I always thought, why can't a woman do the talk? Why can't the woman do the instructing? I would have quite enjoyed that. I quite liked it. 
And I remember talking to a woman in, in the congregation that we grew up in and she said, I'd be really happy to give an hour talk. It'd be fine, but because I'm a woman, they don't let me do you that. You can't. And yeah, I, I found it really difficult too. And because I, with my ADHD growing up, I used to really struggle with concentration and also just with um, social engagement. And sometimes when I would do the talks, I would have to be very militant and strategic with uh, what I'd say. And if my partner doing that talk would ever kind of veer off, I would freak out quite a lot <laughs> and I just wouldn't know what to say. And there mm-hmm. were many times where I'd be in, in uh, and, you know, we'd be on the, the platform and this would be in front of how many people? About 100 people. Yeah, about 100. Um, about 100 people. And this would be on a Thursday evening or a Sunday afternoon or, or whichever um, meeting that there was. It would be Theocratic Ministry School. And sometimes you would improvise with these talks and I just did not get along with that I found that really really difficult I mean generally I found it really difficult getting up in front of you know 100 people and doing a talk but to me it sounded a lot more appealing going up as obviously as a man and just talking to the audience I think I I would with my kind of mental issues my condition I think that I would be so much better at just talking to the audience and not having anyone kind of answer back I think but then over the years you know I've really had to you know try and 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 deal with that kind of situation which I'm sure you know all people with ADHD have to kind of deal with but I remember also that I had to do the same thing at at an assembly so that was bigger this assembly is it would be kind of a, an annual thing at a, a hall I think it was how how many people there were there th- oh just under a thousand people no I think we're talking more like 1500 yeah 1500 oh yeah I mean there are a lot of people and I remember I one time and never again I did a kind of was it an interview it was like a question Q&A kind of thing and I just remember sitting there and I, 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 it was fine. It kind of, it worked out. I mean, did you think it was okay? I don't I know. I can't remember it, to be honest. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't <laughs> it? it? Was so that is so back. terrible. I can't remember. I'm telling you, it really forced me to, to put myself out there. It really did. But <laughs> doing this, but I mean, th- this is it. You know, I, I could do a Q&A, but I couldn't do a talk. But it was just kind of talking to people. I think it was talking to young people in congregations, asking them their opinion on ministry and stuff like that. And I got chosen to be in this um, this uh, this Q and A, you know, in front of kind of fifteen hundred people. And I just remember, just it was it was really really difficult, and I felt kind of forced, like I had to do it. But I, I do think, I do think that women. I'd very much like you were saying, kind of coming back to the to sexism and the gender roles. I do feel like women are boxed in. We we we're very limited on our options on what we can do within the religion, as you know, as opposed to what a man can do. A man can do an awful lot more. But then I also feel that men are kind of pushed into this situation where they're kind of emotionally manipulated as well 
Mm. Um, where they are constantly being told, oh, well, maybe you can be a ministerial servant. Maybe you could do better. Maybe you can be an elder. Maybe you can be a circuit overseer. And they're kind of constantly being pushed to do possibly something that they don't want to do. And I think that emotional manipulation, I think that that's extremely damaging as well. So you kind of, you, you know, you have us the women who are who have very limited options and being kind of put in a box and very limited to what we can do but then you have a lot of kind of emotionally manipulated and emotionally damaged men who either can't do it who either kind of sit back and and kind of take a more kind of subservient role or rather just don't have any interaction with anyone or with anything they just kind of sit back and let others take the lead and you have these kind of faux alpha males who think that they're the shit and they (laughs) and they just go for these kind of elder circuit overseer right I mean probably not all of them feel like that but there were quite a few of them I felt that that really did um you know thought that they're you know and let's face Shit it, <laughs> none of them are qualified. None of them have no, any sort of, you know, absolutely. leadership, you know, managerial, any sort of official training. It all comes from Jehovah's Witness books that they have to read yeah, on yeah, that absolutely. specific role. And um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the majority, I just do not think they were very competent. No, no. I, I don't think I talk to... In all of my time and all of my counselling sessions and stuff that I had, uh, not as in proper counselling sessions, but to just talking with the elders, I don't think I talked to one that gave me good advice. Yeah, or, or made you feel good about yourself. Or made me, yeah, or yet, yeah, or made me feel comforted, or made me feel, yeah, exactly, made me feel good about what I was doing and that yeah. I was doing a, a good thing. Yeah, no one, no one. I can't remember when you were in trouble. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. and and they loved it. They, I know they loved it. Some of them definitely. They, oh, they got off on this massive power trip. Yeah, Yeah, they got off on it for sure, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And And let's talk a little bit about trans individuals. Yes. And how that is just not accepted at all. You know, if yes. you came into a kingdom hall and you were, you know, you were trans or you were even non-binary. Um, yeah. And you wanted to be part of that community. You have to yeah. go back to the gender that you were assigned at birth. Oh, yes. Did Is that something that they, was there a talk about that? Probably. Or was that just, was that, yeah, because I'm just thinking... I'm pretty sure I did hear something of that ilk, but I can't remember exactly what it was. But I, I think do... it was just, it was so definite when we were there. I yeah. never came across anybody who was, um, you know, sort of non-binary. No, or exactly. Was going by a different gender than they were assigned at birth. But I did know of one of my friends knew someone who went to another congregation who started in the congregation one gender and then they had to go back to the gender they were assigned at birth. Oh, wow. So they that's had to horrible. detransition. Oh, yeah. 
And did they say what the outcome was? Did they de- end up detransitioning? They detransitioned, yeah, to be a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, yeah. that's, now that's just shocking in itself. Yeah. Really, the fact that you, you have to change, you physically have to change your mind and your body, yeah. go against how you express yourself to be a Jehovah's Witness. And I think <clears throat> that's terrible. Yeah. I think that that's very, very emotionally damaging. No, absolutely. And I think, absolutely. But unfortunately with them, it's a... It's an it. individual thing. Yeah, it's an individual. And, and if they wanted to do that, then I guess that's something that they had to question mm. themselves about. And it's always a choice, isn't it? But J-Dubs um, won't budge. They won't budge on it. No, no. I do know that they're, yeah, they're very strict with things like that. I did know that there was this, there was this one woman and she was um, a lesbian. So she was a part of the LGBTQ community. But I do remember she, yeah, and she strictly said, and I remember talking to her and she said she strictly said she, she only was attracted to women. And I remember she said to me, this was, oh, I think I was probably early teens. But, and she was just kind of coming along kind of every now and then. But she, I think she wanted to commit herself fully. And I think she said the elders told her that she had to, I guess, kind of renounce her sexuality. So she had to kind of go in saying that she she either says that she's something like celibate or that she's not a lesbian anymore, something like that. But she had to say, that's what she had to tell the elders. This is something that had to be kind of, uh, as far as I remember, this is something she had to put in writing as well. She had to put in writing? Yeah, I, I do remember God. something about her saying that she had to write it. I don't know whether though this was just a kind of congregate, for, you know, different from congregation to congregation or whether it does say somewhere do you know they've got their elders handbook? The kind of really top yeah, secret shepherd, elders handbook. Shepherd the flock. They have their yeah, book shepherd that the flock. Is just available to elders. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether it says anything in there about that Probably. kind of thing and that kind of situation. But I do remember she specifically said that um, this is what she had to do. And th- I think that that's that's sad that's that's really sad that's really sad yeah yeah to kind of you know not not be able to be who you are and I think that's that's terrible to not I think especially if she agreed with everything else and she was fine with everything else exactly um, yeah that's really sad to be able to not yeah truly kind of be your authentic self then I mean what else is there when you take away you're just kind of fenced in you know you're kind of like a prisoner you know like a dictatorship you know one step away from being imprisoned and being told what to you know everything being dictated in your life what you have to do well it is a very Um, high control religion that's very similar to that to be honest yeah 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 absolutely yeah but yeah I mean I I don't know they did actually talking about going along in that vein I do remember there was a massive 
thing that happened situation that happened at Bethel, I think it was in New York, where they had a load of met up. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But there was a kind of moment where there were quite a lot of homosexuals at Bethel. Just explain what Bethel is for people who don't know. Okay, so Bethel is, it is, it's basically people who put themselves to put themselves forward for work, to work for Watchtower, so the Literature Society, and they live in, they all live in this one big building where they worship Jehovah all together. They don't get paid, they're all volunteers. Yeah, exactly, they don't get paid, they're all volunteers. I think they get a kind of small allowance monthly. I'm not quite sure, but they get all their meals, they get breakfast, lunch and dinner, and they they have to do things like morning worship, so they have to get up early, so they have to get up something like five, six in the morning. Morning worship, which is an elder or a circuit overseer will, will just go through the Bible and read a scripture and then you have your breakfast and and then you, yeah, so that's how your day goes and then you go to, yeah, they have another kind of worship. I'm not exactly sure how it works in New York. I mean, I know, I have a rough idea how it works in the UK, in London, but... The Bethel's but, moved now, though. God, it's been so long since I've been there. I don't know where it is now, but it's not where it used to be. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I just remember us going there as children. Yeah. And... So, basically, it's it's the HQ. It's the the JWHQ in each country. Exactly. Each country will will have a Bethel. Yes. So, yeah, it's the main headquarters of Watchtower well you know kind of jehovah's witnesses i think it's kind of masquerading isn't it it is actually watchtower the literature society it's where they make all of the literature yeah so they go there they have all of the press don't they so Mm -hmm. you have people working for free making the literature and they you know try and make sure they look like they're happy you know while they're doing all their work and everything do you remember when we used to go for tours you can go for tours there by the way so mm-hmm. you can you can go and you can have a tour and you can look around and all of the people there you know they'll kind of take you through everything they'll explain everything to you but I just remember how boring it was I just remember how <laughs> I, I just remember being dragged out of bed you know kind of six seven in the morning and kind of putting on your your dress and in the freezing cold and kind of you had to stand outside didn't you for a little while and go yeah it was just another thing we should mention isn't it the fact that when you're a woman you can't wear trousers no you can't wear trousers in the kingdom hall you can't any other spiritual place that's a no-no that is a no-no i actually i remember getting told off because i i wore this skirt that had do you remember there's this there was this trend fashion trend where it it, it was a dress it, not a dress sorry a skirt but it was kind of like a wraparound skirt and it kind of looked like culottes so okay yeah so it kind of looked like culottes but then it had a kind of pocket in front do you remember that no. i mean it was ter- it, i mean it looked awful but i remember wearing that kind of skirt and I remember being told off because the, one of the elders thought that it looked like it, it looked like trousers like I was wearing trousers but you weren't and 
I were I wasn't at all. And I said, you know, look, you know, do do you want me to show you? And he yeah, said, no, no, I'll no, no, don't you. <laughs> yeah, I said, tell me to show you that it's not trousers. And he goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, which is quite funny. I thought it was hilarious. So moving on yes. from sexism and genderism. Let's talk about how there is a hierarchy and there is a, a prejudice that exists within this hierarchy, similar to a class system yeah. and, and how that works. So yes. I, within the Jehovah's Witness community, obviously, if you were a man, you were further up, right? The food if chain. You were, if you were a man with more responsibilities, you were higher up. Generally, within a, a regular congregation of, say, between 80 and 100 people, there would be about six, seven elders, you know, so they, yeah. they'd be at the top. There would be a presiding overseer who would be in charge of the elders. Now, my understanding is today mm. that presiding overseer position has gone because I don't want to make it seem as if one man is ruling the congregation, but that it's more like a board, like a body of elders, and they make decisions together. And then under mm. those will be the ministerial servants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's happened um, relatively recently, maybe in the last 10 years or so. Mm. And then underneath yeah. there will be ministerial servants and only a few more ministerial servants than elders, generally because there will be more young men in the congregation looking to get a little bit more involved. And the ministerial servants and the elders, they're, they're the ones that are allowed to give like the big talks, you know, the one hour mm. talks on a Sunday, the instruction from the platform on a Thursday. And um, I say on a Thursday, we had it on a Thursday. It could be a different day um, in a different congregation. And also lead on things like when people would meet before they would go out on the ministry or if they would meet for, for any other occasion or, or any other sort of study. And then underneath the ministerial servants were probably, I would say on the hierarchy, the pioneers. And these are the oh, ones yeah. who go out on the ministry, go out door knocking, talking to people between sort of like 70 and 90 hours a month. Bearing in mind, people don't get paid for this. This is all for their love of the organisation and also for the cred and the reputation because when you're a pioneer oh. you get you get special privileges listening to pioneer school once a year you get referred to as a pioneer you know your, your name gets mentioned you might get invited to more social events because you're a pioneer mm. so pioneers definitely got got a little bit more they got treated a little bit you know better yeah yeah more specially and then even within the pioneers, there was a hierarchy. She would have regular pioneers, auxiliary pioneers, who were kind of like the poor man's pioneer. They'd only do 50 <laughs> hours a month. You know what I mean? So they didn't get as much as the regular pioneers oh, doing like yeah, 70 hours true. a month. And then there were special yeah. pioneers who did 90 hours a month and they were special. They were super special and got a super special. Yeah. I mean, I never did it, so I'm not entirely sure what, what they got, but they got stuff. And then underneath that, there will be your regular bog standard publisher. And yeah. that is just regular bog standard J-Dub, goes to the meetings, used to be three, but now it'd be twice a week, does their study, 
comes <laughs> along, answers up. So you have to do an answer, at, you know, at, at all the meetings. Because if you don't, then your reputation drops again. Yeah, exactly. So this could be a person you'd be answering, you'd be attending all the meetings, you'd be going out on the ministry, you'd be studying, you would be socialising with people because you're not allowed yes. to socialise with those outside the congregation. Exactly. So you're and limited. Then, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's your bog standard. So that's just sort of most people were about that. I and mean, then, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But then, okay, I'm sorry. I just want to interject something. Yeah. Being a publisher, although you're saying it's bog standard, it is a hell of a lot of work just to well, be a publisher. What, this is the thing. I'm trying to make, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is it. This is, yeah, like, no, like you're saying, I'm just saying, yeah, it's, it's, it takes a lot of work and a lot I'm of work, not just saying yeah. that because, yeah, I mean, it, for somebody, just a kind of normal person to kind of go in and do it and to be able to do all of these things, it, it was, it was really, really hard. And also for younger people on top, all of this stuff on top of going to school. Yeah. Having possibly, a full-time job. Yeah. Full-time job obviously going to you know going to college or university or well I mean they don't encourage you to go to you know further a secular education but I mean on top of that it it's really hard really it was I remember I remember most of my teens feeling exhausted I mean I know as a teenager you do feel exhausted anyway but I just remember yeah feeling tired all the time yeah going to the meeting because at, at this point when we were younger we were doing three meetings a week we were doing Tuesday night Thursday night and Sunday yeah. and on top of that we would do Saturday morning ministry and Sunday morning ministry yeah and we didn't get I I can't even remember when the last I I did remember when we were older we used to I, I remember I used to go out and get drunk and then feel hungover and you know not go <laughs> to the meetings as much but we didn't get a chance to just relax. We never got a chance to rest. think. And I think that's the think. point. Think. That, that is the point. Yeah. It, you, they, they keep you so busy. And even when you are, busy, you know, yeah. you're bog standard, which is a hell of a lot, you're then yeah. going, do a bit more. Do a bit more personal study. Read the Bible a little bit more. Go in the ministry a little bit more. Can you be more active in the congregation yes. can you take on more responsibilities could you do more talks could you do this yeah it's a lot it's a lot and that's not even mentioning the conventions that come up and there are probably about three or four of those a year you know and those are big yeah. weekends they're big weekends you know oh and normally, god they were horrible they were horrible, you know, <laughs> they were horrible. Yeah. and you're, you're, you're encouraged to go as a group you know help other people who maybe don't have a car give them a lift try and get some wholesome association so yeah you literally have no time to think at all you just go go yeah. go 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 so we've, we've got to bog standard we've got to bog yes. standard oh, yeah. Fine. yeah yeah go and then ahead, when yeah. underneath bog standard that's when people start thinking oh they're a jehovah's witness but they might not be a good jehovah's witness you know so these are the ones that we don't attend all the meetings or maybe you don't answer up you know, and get involved in the meetings. Bearing in mm. mind, answering up is basically just regurgitating whatever book you're looking at. 
and then people are like, oh, you know, they don't answer up very much, or you're not really going out preaching very on the much. ministry. Yeah, but, you, but you, you're still there, and you're still kind of showing up, and you're still part of it. So that's sort of like a minus one. Yeah. <laughs> then you go down, let's say like a minus two, and I would say probably you might show up to a meeting every now and then. So know, would that be inactive? Would that be somebody who's no, inactive? No, no, no. I wouldn't say it's inactive. I say you probably come to a meeting sort of every now and then, like maybe like one or two a month or something. Probably, you know, go out in the ministry or, or go out preaching. Rarely, rarely. Yeah. And when people see you, they're like, oh, it's so nice to see you. How are you? <laughs> and you get that, right? And that is, and, and people are just, they're really concerned for you all the time. And they're desperately trying to help you. And, and, and you're always being encouraged because they're a weak one. They're a bit yeah. weak, you know, and they're the weak one. Yeah. Got and then bearing in mind, this is super generalized, super, super generalized, you know, and then there are the people that say they're Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Never go to a meeting, never preach, probably never look at the Bible and study as much as we're all encouraged to. Everyone is encouraged to read the Bible in a year, every single yeah. year. And yeah, and still, but still yeah. kind of, kind of believe it and kind of go along with the principles, but they're not actually actively involved. So they would be yeah. classified as inactive. You know, yeah. and maybe the elders might pop round their house if they live in the territory and try and encourage them every so often. Invite them to the memorial, which is the big annual J-Dub event each year where there is the commemoration of Jesus' death. So that's how I would say is the regular hierarchy based on what you're doing. Now, it gets more complicated. There is mm-hmm. also a superficial hierarchy based on the, the money you have. So also how yes. much you're donating to Jehovah's Witnesses. Obviously, the more money you have, the more money you can give. And the whole organization runs on donations. Yes. So if you are poor, you are seen less than. No one will say that. No one will say that, but it's true. It's absolutely true. And if you're a single parent, like we said before, you're divorced your divorce you've been through something that's quite big and life-changing but doesn't fit in with organizational standards you're lower down and no one will ever admit this but it's absolutely true what do you think yeah no absolutely yeah yeah no I agree I agree absolutely with everything you said yeah yeah are there any other hierarchies you think exist Actually, I was just going to say, I forgot to say in with the whole Bethel business, I was too busy talking about all those homosexuals in uh, in Bethel. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what did they call it? They called it Pillowgate, wasn't it? Pillowgate. Because they're all, yeah, they're all trying to put their heads in pillows and, um, and get it and on with each like, other or something like that. Getting off. Yeah. I think something like they were wanking each other off or yeah, they were wanking like into that. pillows. They were wanking into pillows. Or I think there were a couple of men there that were having a relationship. See, and this is the thing. In Bethel, only men can yes. be there. 
that is a yeah a single yeah. woman yes i forgot that a single woman cannot be a bethel only single men yes. or couples married or couples. couples so if yeah, you're married yeah. to a man or no see this is the thing right so this is why the prize of a single woman would be a bethelite or an yeah. elder or no yeah. or a double whammy an elder bethelite oh my that god was, <laughs> You got yourself the prize cow there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know whether it'd be a cash cow, but I think it would be some kind of cow. Uh, not so much, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, there, there was, uh, yeah, so so that's another kind of sexist thing. They they wouldn't allow women. Uh, so I think it was something along the lines of they didn't want to... Mix the two sexes. Basically, yeah. they thought everybody was going to have a massive orgy, and to be well, honest, they did. That, but it just you they know did. It was a different they kind did. of orgy. They did because I, yeah. I remember I heard so many. The thing is, is that I don't know what what's the most accurate story because I was hearing so many different things. I heard about there were men obviously kind of having sex having orgies there were men being you know everybody wanking each other off in kind of like a big wank circle <laughs> and yeah there were kind of men who were just kind of like wanking into their tinies. yeah <laughs> you know what you know what and i yeah with the whole wanking into pillows thing somebody had said see i don't know whether this story story is true or not but it's because all of the cleaners were kind of going in and finding loads of semen stains on the sheets. And they would come in, obviously, every morning and come and clean the sheets and clean the pillows. And they would find... I mean, I don't know whether they... I mean, would you really kind of tell people about that? I don't know. I you know, it's that all the cleaners were women. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. so they, they're thinking, oh my God, can you imagine? Look all you know these scenes. I reckon things. some of them live for the drama. I reckon they live for the drama and they're like, oh, <gasps> they loved it. God. You know, and they cannot wait to go and tell their husband or tell someone and get them in trouble because yeah. their lives are probably so boring. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I do remember that actually. All the cleaners were women. Why yeah. did, did they not have any man cleaners? I never saw one. No, that's really interesting too. That's yeah. really interesting. But um, but no, I thought that story was probably the best story I'd heard throughout the whole of my time as a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. <laughs> the fact, I did, yeah, I mean, just trying to, no, I don't want to imagine it, but, you know, just trying to see all of that happening. It, I don't know. And I just, I remember them saying that they did have to expel quite a few there was this kind of cull of of men from I think it was Walk Hill was it Walk Hill Bethel in New York where they would get they got rid of quite a few men and they had to you know recruit you know they were kind of sp trying to spread the word of recruiting new men to, to kind of go into Bethel mm -hmm. and um I just thought that's so funny. But I mean, I think there's a waiting list for you to go in Bethel. So I don't think they kind of had any trouble there. But I just thought that was brilliant. And obviously, you know, people were going out because it's your nearest city. They were going out at night and they were drinking. And 
you know, there's still that kind of drinking culture. But yeah, I think I think it's very it's very funny, very sexist. Very just letting men just letting men kind of have that privilege. I mean, to be honest, not that I really wanted to go to Bethel and live in Bethel. I mean, what horrible life, really. <laughs> I, I mean, that's my opinion only, but I, I really wouldn't want to. Be. Can you imagine just just everybody just knowing your business? I just, the, the whole rigidity really put yeah. me off. I think your life is rigid enough as a, as a book standard Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Yet the higher up you get, the more rigid it gets. And I remember after I decided to leave, breathing almost this huge sigh of relief and going, oh my God, I'm going to get to sleep. <gasps> yes. I'm yes. Going to get to sleep. That oh, was my first thought so as well. So good. And, yeah, and since then I've just been sleeping. Just <laughs> all, all the time, all the, all time. the time, as much as yeah. I can, because I just never had a chance. No, you know, no. you never got that lion. No, exactly. You never got the chance to just have your kind of Saturdays doing nothing. She always, oh, or yeah. Sundays, you know, and coming, especially when you know we kind of did Monday to Friday school or whatever or work. And then you come home and you think, oh, great, I've got the weekend. But then we didn't because we always no. had something to do. Exactly. Uh, yeah. As in to do with, you know, preaching or meetings or anything like that. And it was just, yeah, I think that was one of the first things that really, uh, you know, that made me feel good when I left. So I just yeah. thought, oh, and I have talked to a lot of other people who've left too. And they said, I am so happy that I've got nothing to do on a Saturday now. Yeah. <laughs> that they can yeah. just sleep and they can just relax and they don't have to see anyone. That's another thing. You know, you don't have to see anyone. You don't have to talk to anyone. It must be a nightmare yeah. for introverts, you know. I think both of us, I mean, maybe not the classical extrovert, but probably are extroverted. But I think, yeah. God, if I was like a, a, a real classic introvert, Oh, it just would have been painful. Really painful. And that's why I think about the whole kind of answering up thing and the bog stat, being a bog standard publisher, that's a lot for somebody so who's lot, introverted. For, for someone who who finds it really hard, who maybe has social anxiety or maybe he's just shy, maybe yeah. he just doesn't like to talk to that many people or finds it just difficult you know emotionally mentally physically exhausting being yeah. around other people well, what about people who are who have disabilities you know I know I've That's got another ADHD, thing yeah but what about people who've got autism you know people who who find it uh you know kind of sensory overload yeah. being around people and sorry I just want to mention as well I, I forgot to mention that with disability and even sometimes my mother talks about it now because she's a she's a Jehovah's Witness. But they truly believe that if you are disabled, then one day you will be perfected. You will change. You will be your better self mm. um, in the in, at Armageddon in the new order. So they believe that now it's just a temporary thing. You're in a kind of temporary shell. Um, 
so the disability that you have now, you will not have at some mm. point in the future. And I think that that, that is not very accepting, not very tolerant, mm. plain discrimination, really, against people who have a disability, like autism, you know, like ADHD, you know. Well, why do these people need to be fit? There is exactly. a bit of obsession, isn't there, with being fixed and you have to fit this perfection box. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Abs- and I do remember, I don't know if you remember, there was this, I, th- I think he had a bit of a delay, kind of global delay, this kind of young man that we used to kind of, we saw him at our congregation. He was in, actually, I was going to say the congregation, but I won't. But he he did have a bit of a delay, but he was so lovely and he was so, so... He was so sweet and, you know, he always used to come up and talk to us. And and I remember everybody just wasn't very... Me and you used to talk to him. Um, People were mean to people with disabilities in our congregation. I remember there was this really sweet guy. He was really, really sweet. He lived with his mum. He and his mum would always come to all the meetings, go out preaching. But they were kind of excluded. They were. One person saying to me, oh, I don't like him. He gives me the willies. Just because love him, he was just a little bit different. And I just thought... He was a bit delayed, yeah. I think he was a bit delayed. I just thought, bless him. you know, people can be so mean. And this this is an organisation, a society, a congregation, where you're supposed to be inclusive and... Accepting. Accepting and loving and supporting each other. Mm. And... Mm. I'll tell you what, they were just the most, yeah. It, they're arseholes, basically. Yeah. They're arseholes. Yeah. No, I do I do remember that. And I do remember that person who I actually, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And he was so lovely. And I remember, I remember I got teased by a specific someone because I went out on the ministry with this certain man and he was so lovely he was and the reason why I liked being with him was because he was just so nice and he was just he really was really was lovely and he just had no preconceptions and he just you could just chat to him and he was just a nice person and I think and there were so many people who who just yeah who used to basically take the piss yeah yeah, just kind of saying it bluntly. They used to take the piss. And also this other one, um, and I remember he he was, you know, quite kind of high-functioning. And they used to take the piss out of him as well. And they used to say that something was wrong with him. And, and I just thought, fucking hell, just give him a break. You know, give them a break, man. These people, they're so, I mean, I now, I, I'm, I work with, um, young people and adults with disabilities. So I feel more empathetic, possibly. I mean, hopefully everyone does, but I, I do feel empathy for those mm. with disabilities because I have one myself as well. I, I, you know, I have, um, ADHD and all of that kind of stuff. So, I see myself as kind of in that bracket. But I just think I found people to be so heartless. 
yeah, about that really kind of heartless. Thing. Yeah. Like, oh yes, but in the new system, you're going to be perfect. Yeah, you'll be fixed. You'll be fine. We can ignore you now. Put you over there, <laughs> and then later you'll be fixed. Put you in your oh. box and. See you later. It's yeah, it's horrible. No, I remember these people were very much excluded, and I do. Yeah, we but we did talk to them. We I think we 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 shouldn't feel bad about that. I think we were always very nice, and we were always very nice to kind of other bit. And you know what? Even now, sometimes when I talk to my mum, she'll say, "Oh, but you know, you, you can still be fixed. You know, there's still the new system." And I just think, well. You know, maybe that's just me. Maybe I don't want to be fit. I mean, there are a lot of things about me she obviously wants to wants me to fix. But I think this is me. This is now. This is the present. This is who I am. Yeah. So accept me for, for who I am. And I think that that's what we're saying about most most people. And what we're saying, you know, all of these things, you know, but racism, genderism, sexism and classism you know we're just saying that these people do not accept these people with these kind of conditions and yeah so I think they're just not accepting they're Mm. not as accepting as I think outwardly they superficially they like to think that they're very accepting or that they make out they are yeah yeah I think it's all, to be honest, I think it's all for reputation. Yeah. It's all for reputation. It's, yeah. And did you ever find that, sorry, I'm veering off for a minute, but did you ever find that if there was a man that was relatively mediocre looking, I mean, not really good looking, but a man that was just a man that was there, he would be jumped on. Oh my goodness, yeah. Just if there was a single man, because in in the community, I don't know whether it's the same now, but when we were in it, there were, you know, hundreds of single women to one single man, you know. So yeah, and and of course, you know, to get anywhere as a woman, realistically, like we've spoken about, you have to be married, you know. And also, like, they're all desperate for sex because they're kind of sex before marriage. (laughs) So literally, a man walks into a room and it's like, oh, yes. You know, so, you know, the guys love it. But they also think that they're all Adonises because, like, oh all the women, my God. you know, want to date them. Horrible. And you're like, no, yeah. you're not, mate. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. You're just your bog standard. You, you, you actually you look some bog standard. Yeah. Like you, you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. not judged, but again, we're not, you know, we're not slagging off individuals. It, it is, it's, it's the, the structure mm. and the organization. And we know most of the time people are just trying to do the best that they can in their situation. But I, mean, I do think yeah. there's definitely that superiority complex, especially if you're a single man and you're doing the, the you know, the kind of bare, simple, basic, you know, publisher kind of things as a witness yeah. um, and how they get more attention than the women oh, do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the women are just kind of, oh, yeah, just, you know, sit to one you side. You sit a penny, they, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, nobody gives a shit about you. Just, yeah. you know. And that that's the thing, you know. I remember us growing up, we, nobody really, 
gave us that encouragement. But to the men, they were kind of pushed forward. I mean, I know that there's gen- there's a general societal... I know things are shifting now, but I know men are probably a little bit more favoured generally, you know, in society. You know, there's the... the I was going to say, you know, when it comes to sex and stuff, you know, the pleasure gap and the, the you know, the wage stuff and all that kind of thing. So I don't think we're there yet. But it's I getting think better, though. It's getting I think better. things yeah. are changing. I think things are changing a lot. And I think, but I think it's magnified mm. within the Jehovah's Witnesses, within religion, you know, if you have a bo- I remember kind of like a micro society, isn't it? So you can yeah. sort of see it more close up. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I remember if you were pregnant, if you're going to have a baby, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, you, you know, they were so happy when you were having a boy. But, you know, if you were having a girl, it was just kind of like, oh, it's another girl kind of thing. And I think that that's quite shit, really. Because I've got a little girl and she's amazing and I think girls are amazing. So <laughs> girls are amazing. And on that girl, note, yeah. I think we are that's all we have time for. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us and really hope that you stay with us until the end. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. And thank you so much. And you know, we'll we'll give you a little kind of gold star for that because uh yeah, this is thank you. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, and thank you, everyone, for listening to Two Girls, One Cult podcast. We really do appreciate all of you for listening to us. Please subscribe, um, if you haven't already, to wherever you get your podcasts from. And, um, yeah, see you next week. 